You're listening to the newest Market Side Chat. All right. Without further ado, here at Market Side Chats, we're beyond excited to welcome the youngest American hockey player to reach 1,000 NHL regular season points. He's held the Hart, Conn Smythe, and Art Ross trophies. Most importantly, three Stanley Cups. Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Kane. Pat, thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. So, Pat, I actually wanted to ask you, um, just to start things off, we, we know that family is like really important for you. Um, and it's our understanding that you do have a new member in your family. Um, how's life been like, you know, having the little one around? It's been great. I mean, he's, uh, he's four weeks old yesterday and he's just, um, you know, I was telling my family the other day, like I wake up uh, pretty early and work out, go to the rink, yeah. do what I have to do in the morning. But, you know, I'm so excited when everything's over cause I get to come home and, and hang out with him a little bit, but yeah. Um, it's been great. I mean, it's been pretty easy on me so far. Um, maybe a little bit tougher on Amanda cause she's like waking up in the middle of the nights and eating them and whatnot. And I get to sleep there a little bit. So, um, it's been easy on me, but he's been great. He's, uh, it's, it's fun seeing his personality develop every day and yeah. just watching him get a little bit bigger and, uh, um, uh, starting to hang out with him, see what he likes, what he doesn't like. So, it's been uh, it's been interesting becoming a dad, but um, for the first four week four weeks, I would say it's been uh, it's been quite a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty remarkable stuff. <laughs> I know you're taking the next step in your life, so it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I imagine that he's not on skates just yet. But um, <laughs> <laughs> when did you learn to skate when you were younger? I started pretty late, actually. Yeah. So I, I, I was uh, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Um, Obviously, uh, my parents were, were big hockey fans and uh, went to a lot of Sabres games when I was younger, mm-hmm. but never really got into hockey too much until I was just, I started skating at six years old and then started playing at, uh, at seven. So, you know, looking back on it, I think that was like a perfect time because it's, you know, you could put your kid on skates at like, you know, you see these days, like two, three, four years old, which is, I think is great and maybe something I would have wanted to do, but you know, I was ready at that time to be like, um, so involved. It's just like looking back on my childhood, a lot of it was playing hockey and going to hockey games and hockey practices and whatnot. But yeah, just like, it's truly what I loved. You know, it's not like it was forced upon me by my dad or or anything like that, or just, you know, I was doing it because I was good. It's just what I love to do. I love to be out there, you know, trying to score goals and, and stick cannon through guys and, uh, you know, passing to my teammates, things like that. So did you do a lot um, of stick handling in the basement when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I had, uh, I had like a little, little like uh shooting area down there. I had two NHL size nets, but it wasn't, it wasn't a very big space. Yeah. And, you know, I would stick handle the ball. I would, you know, shoot regular hockey pucks. I remember having like, the heavy metal balls you would stick handle with just cause they were like a little bit heavier than you go to a puck and it feels lighter. Yeah. Um, but I would spend, you know, countless hours down there, um, um, shooting and stick handling, just like not really thinking of it as I was working on my game or anything like that, but just that I was, I was doing it because I loved it. And, uh, yeah. Um, you know, it was fun for me. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think it's pretty funny how you can get carried away. Um, you know, not thinking of it as training necessarily, but just like your passion and love for the game is expressed just kind of like in the little things that you do throughout the day. Um, and that kind of, that goes to show, you know, the success that you've had ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, it was like, it was just something I loved to do when I was younger. I remember at one point, I think I was playing on, you know, six or seven different teams uh, as a kid. And I was, you know, I remember going from one skate to another, one game to another, and I was going through my bag, shuffling in my bag in the trunk and just like asking my dad what jersey I had to put on because I didn't know what team I was playing <laughs> for uh, that night. So things like that, you know, yeah. you make a lot of friendships, a lot of relationships, um, even from back then. Like I said, my best friend growing up was a goalie that I played hockey with, uh, yeah. um, you know, a bunch growing up. So uh, we actually moved to uh, – uh, Detroit together the same year. It was my freshman year of high school. We moved away and played for a team called Honeybake. 
mm-hmm. and uh, it was fun to do that with him as well. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a fun way to grow up for sure. Yeah, for sure. So when you when you were kind of a younger kid, did you have any idols out there that uh, you're like, you know, one day I want to be that guy, or you know, in terms of um, yeah. yeah, I was kind of like uh, I I didn't really have one guy. Yeah. But, um, you know, growing up in Buffalo, if you could believe it or not, I was a big Dominic Kasich fan. Um, (laughs) You know, I I just remember watching the Sabres and they didn't really have too many great players, but he was so good back then. It was like a must-watch TV or price of admission to go in and watch him because he was making unbelievable saves or having shutouts. I think he won a couple MVPs as a goalie, which is um, pretty uncommon. And... um, just love watching him play. Um, but, uh, yeah, I liked a lot of, a lot of like superstar players back then too. The Joe Sackix, Peter Forsberg, yeah. uh, Yager, uh, Mike Madonna, great American hockey player. Um, guys like that. I really enjoyed to watch growing up, but it was always like, um, you know, who was coming into town next? Like I probably went to, I would say 20, 25 games as a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. If there's 41 home games, I went to 20 or 25 of the Sabres games, and it was just super exciting to watch um, that next superstar coming in. So that's what I was looking forward to. What was it like playing against Yager? He's a, he's a big man, you know? He yeah. was like uh, <laughs> um, maybe like 6'3", 240 pounds. He's a guy that would just kind of like – stick his butt out, protect the puck and you couldn't get it from him. So, you know, it's amazing when you're, when you're coming into the league as a young kid um, to play against some of these guys that um, you grew up watching, but as your career develops and, you know, you spend seven or eight years in the league, you see a lot of those guys filter out, but Yager was one of those guys that, that never really filtered out, you know, he's still playing, I think in check these days. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's amazing. He's still able to, able to play and you talk about the passion of the game. That's one guy that just truly loves it. Um, actually one of my, um, welcome to the NHL moments was my, my first home game. It was our second game of the season. Um, we were playing Detroit, we were playing Hasek was in the net and, um, we were down three, one that game. Our team came back, tied at three, three, nothing happens in overtime. And then our coach, Dennis Savard sends me out to go first in the shootout. So like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm 18 years old going against my hero in the shootout. And, yeah. um, I just remember going down. I just like tried to make a move and didn't think it would work. Somehow it worked and went in and scored. So it was like unbelievable that, that, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that was one of my, one of my welcome to the NHL moments. But I just remember like I was meeting my family in the hallway after like pretty pumped up. Yeah. In the United Center hallways, you know, you get crossed up with certain players from other teams. And I remember Hasek walking down and I asked him for a picture. I was like, hey, can I get a head down? Can I get a picture with you? And I don't even think he really knew who I was or that I was a kid that just um, scored on him in the shootout. And then, you know, afterwards, like, hey, did you just, you just score on me? And the kid that just scored in the shootout? So it was, it's funny. We still have that picture and laugh about that story today because my family just like, you know, huge Sabres fans and to, to be able to witness that and have that as one of my first moments was, was pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. And so kind of like going off of that, I know you've had like a, you know, a very strong, you know, family foundation and a base. Um, do you kind of want to talk about how, you know, they've kind of influenced you and your welcome to the NHL? Um, I know you mentioned Savard, he was your first coach. Um, and then kind of like walking us through draft day and the emotions that came by with that and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Um, well, first off, my family was so important to me, I think. Yeah. Um, obviously my mom and my dad, but even like I have three younger sisters, they sacrificed so much growing up to be able to, you know, come to my hockey tournaments, whether it was like, you know, skipping school on Fridays because, you know, I had a tournament in Toronto or something and we had to drive up and, and miss that day of school. Obviously I was excited about missing school, but, um, you know, they still had work to do. So I could like look at them in the crowd and they'd be doing their homework or or playing with their dolls or whatever it was. And, uh, um, just made a lot of sacrifice to come up and watch. Yeah. Um, but still very close with my sisters. Um, it's fun to see how they've grown too. Obviously, you know, I have a girlfriend and a kid now and they all have, uh, 
um, boyfriends in their life. One's married, one has fiance and my youngest one has a boyfriend as well. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's fun to see how, uh, everyone's kind of grown up a little bit, but, um, yeah, that was a special night in, uh, in Columbus in 2007. I think it was June 22nd, if I remember correctly. And, uh, about a month prior, um, Dale Talon, Blackhawks GM at the time told me that if the Hawks had the pick, they were going to take me first overall. And, uh, you know, obviously there's chances that pick can be traded yeah. or, yeah. or whatnot. But um, I actually remember about 15, 20 minutes before the draft started, someone came down, tapped me and my dad on the shoulder and said, uh, Phoenix just traded for the first overall pick. So I was thinking, oh, man, like yeah. – Phoenix, like they want Kyle Turris. I think that's the player they want. So I'm not going to go first overall. And my dad was all pissed off because he was thinking Phoenix is going to draft me. And then, you know, he doesn't like to fly. So he's going to have to drive all the way to Phoenix from Buffalo. And that's going to yeah. be like yeah. a big, long drive. So yeah. fortunately enough, Chicago had the first pick. Um, Dale Town went up there, announced my name. And I guess the rest is kind of history. I hugged my parents. My sisters, my grandpa was there as well at the time. So, um, yeah, special night. I mean, you work so hard as a kid, you know, try and make it. And then all of a sudden you're getting drafted first overall. It's something no one can really take away from you. Yeah, absolutely. And then kind of like your your first entrance after getting drafted and, you know, meeting some of uh, the teammates that you end up, you know, playing your, your, your career with. Um, did any of them have like a, you know, a big impact on you at, like at the get go kind of teaching you the ropes, so to speak? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, that first training camp for me was difficult. I didn't have a, a great camp. I was a young kid. I was 18. I was pretty undersized, probably like, you know, 160 pounds. You know, the NHL was a little bit tougher back then when I, when I came in to break into it at such a young age. Yeah. And, um, they, you know, Chicago stuck with me. They said they'll give me the the nine game tryout or whatever. And then all of a sudden the regular season came and I just, you know, started playing a lot better. But, you know, looking back at some of those teammates, I think the guys that stick out are, um, you know, Taze, obviously, Seabrook, Keith, uh, Sharp, Hosa, um, guys like that. You know, I look at, um, you know, Siebes has been such a great friend to me. Dunks is a guy that I really developed chemistry as far as like a forward defense chemistry. Um, sat next to Hosa in the locker room for a long time. He was just, you know, the ultimate pro, just uh, yeah. a guy that you really looked up to. Um, Sharp was a guy that I was very competitive with. It was almost like a big brother, little, little brother type of relationship where we were competitive on the ice. We would kind of like, make fun of each other off the ice. It was kind of like a love hate, like big brother, little brother relationship. Mm -hmm. Still a great friend of mine. And, um, you know, Taser was a guy that, you know, we've always kind of played, uh, when we started, we, we played together, but, um, after the first three or four years, we've always played on different lines and, uh, there's a a lot of like inner competition there. Yeah. Um, I really think helped our, our team become a better team where, you know, if his line scored, you know, I, I had a little extra motivation to go out and play well too. So, um, I think those are the guys that, you know, when I look back on my early years and, uh, um, those Stanley cup teams, those are the guys that stick out to me the most. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about uh, one of those Stanley cup teams back in 2010, uh, that was a pretty crazy year for you in February, like going from the Olympics and four months later, uh, scoring the uh, overtime goal in game six against the Philadelphia Flyers to win your first Stanley Cup and like how like crazy that must have been if you was a young player that whole like experience yeah it was amazing I mean I'm 21 at the time and uh, you know you're playing in the Olympics um, that was a really cool experience obviously we had a good team that year and made it to the final kind of a heartbreaking loss there when Crosby scored the goal from the goal line it was, yeah. it was a great shot yeah. by him um and uh, ended up winning the silver, silver medal, which was obviously disappointing at the time. But if you look back back on it, it was such an amazing experience. I remember that was like the biggest event that year because the Olympics were held in Vancouver. And obviously, you know, we know how much um, Canada loves uh, men's ice hockey. So that was the last event of the Olympics. They ended up uh, winning. I remember just like 
we were lining up to get our medals. I remember looking in the crowd and there's like grown men crying. They were so happy. So it was pretty cool to experience that. Obviously played against some of my teammates there, um, Seabrook, Keith, uh, Taves, and um, happy for those guys that they won, but still pretty disappointing. It would have been nice to win that and, uh, and say you have a gold medal, but great experience. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, you look back on the year, you wouldn't trade that for anything, you know, because you, you ended up winning the Stanley cup, um, uh, up in June against Philly. And my goal that I won, that we won the Stanley cup with was similar to the goal that Crosby scored. Yeah. He took a page out of your book. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right on the goal line, just kind of like shot it like right through his legs. Um, obviously the reaction was crazy because there, there was no reaction, right? Like I was, I look back on that goal and I like, I have bad dreams to this day where, you know, I shoot that puck and I'm, you know, jumping and throwing my equipment off, uh, you know, skating down the ice and jumping to, you know, to my teammates and my goalie and the puck's not in the net, you know, that's, that's my dream that the puck's not in. Yeah. Philly comes back and wins and they win game seven. But yeah. fortunately enough, it did go in. The, you know, there wasn't really a reaction. Um, we kind of had to get a review from the ref and find the puck and the puck was stuck in like the back padding there. So yeah, yeah. Um, just a crazy, crazy moment. Um, yeah. And that was obviously the first Stanley Cup for the Blackhawks, I think in 49 years at the time. So yeah. it was uh, it was special to be a part of and to, to be a big part of it scoring that goal. So kind of going in from that transition, did that kind of create or promote like any kind of, you know, like fun intra-team rivalry, like you and the USA guys versus the Canadian guys within the locker room? And what did that kind of like contribute to like the line, like, you know, our line's doing better type thing within the locker room or not so much? Yeah. Yeah. I think there was uh, you know, there's definitely some, some moments where, uh, you know, we put a little wager on U.S. Canada tournaments or whatever it was. I think one year, Taser had to like throw on my jersey or something, take a picture, <laughs> and send it out to to social media. So we did that for a while. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we. Uh, so in 2014, um, the next Olympics in Sochi, we ended up playing Canada as well in the semifinal game. And we lost one nothing. So that was like heartbreaking again because we thought we had a good team that year too. Had a really good round robin, thought we might be able to make a run and they beat us one nothing. And then of course we, we you know, it was, we were kind of checked. I, I don't want to say checked out after that because the bronze medal was still important to us, but mm-hmm. you know, we just didn't, you know, we wanted a gold medal. We just didn't play as well in that bronze medal, bronze medal game. So, um, yeah. But yeah, of course, you know, there's certain things about Canadians and Americans, just like um, anything, whether it's like politics or, or anything, guys will kind of uh, chirp each other about a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think yeah. I remember watching like a, a clip from like the Letterman show or, or some late night show where <laughs> they kind of played that out with the USA yeah. versus Canadian guys when you won the cup. Um, yeah, I think it was something like... Um, what was it? We were on the, uh, the Leno show, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, um, he was saying he saw like a glare in the crowd or something. And I'd stand up and say, Oh, it's my silver medal or something. Was that planned? Or no? stuff, like, nah, it's my gold medal. So, yeah. yeah, it was, and you know, being part of the Blackhawks, we were so successful. We had the privilege to go on those type of shows to, you know, meet Jay Leno on yeah. 2013 after we won. I myself went on uh, the Letterman show. Um, which is, you know, an experience in itself. You know, you're nervous to do that, but it was, uh, it was exciting and fun at the same time too. Yeah. So, um, just going back to your Stanley cup goal real quick. Um, you know, that goal really stood out to me because after you scored it, it felt like that arena was like, it felt like there was no one there. Um, and then obviously fast forward to 2020 and uh, you're playing in empty arenas again. How was the bubble experience for you? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, back in 2010, like you said, there was really no reaction from anyone. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why I had the celebration I did. That's kind of why I just wanted to sell it that the puck yeah. was in the net. <laughs> but I remember skating around and, you know, obviously the Philly fans were tough. I had some buddies, buddies in, uh, in town at the game. 
And of course I look up in the 300 level and they're fighting the Philly fans after. So I'm just like, of course, no, I just won the Stanley cup. And my buddies are yeah. throwing haymakers in the top level and yeah. trying to come down to get to the ice. So that was, uh, that was obviously, uh, funny to watch and, and a fun little memory for us. But, um, you know, back to the bubble, I just think like you miss the fans, right? I mean, yeah. it's great playing hockey. It's great playing, uh, uh, in the NHL and, even like um, in the bubble, it wasn't so bad. I give you know the guys a lot of credit because it was pretty competitive. And guys played pretty hard, even though there was no fans. But you just miss them in the big moments, whether it's you know a big power play or a big chance. Um, there's not that excitement, that, not that energy that you usually feel. So, you know, looking forward to uh, you know hopefully once the season gets going and. Uh, uh, things start start calming down a little bit that we'll be able to have fans, you know, maybe at some point this this upcoming season. Definitely. Yeah, it's been quite the turnaround. Um, and I know the NBA is doing something pretty similar. They're turning around pretty quickly. Uh, what are you doing to prepare um, for the upcoming season right now? Are you what are your days off look like? Do you just hang out? You know, play video games, hang out with your girlfriend, change, change you, diapers. <laughs> what, like? uh, I'm, I'm not changing the diapers. <laughs> <laughs> no um well like when quarantine started i probably hadn't played like xbox and i would say maybe four or five years mm-hmm. and then of course my buddies are like agging me to get on and play nhl and then mm-hmm. i'm terrible at nhl because i haven't <laughs> played in so long and then they're laughing at me like getting blown up and yeah. um just getting crushed when i'm out there so i had to stop playing because i was getting made fun of too much yeah. but <laughs> We ended up playing this uh, this golf game. It was called the Golf Club 2019. It ended up being pretty uh, pretty competitive. Um, so that was fun. That kind of got me through quarantine, but I played a lot. And then, um, you know, kind of tailed back a little bit these days. But I would say my days are, you know, I usually get up at like 6.30, um, work out in the gym for a little bit. Then we usually go and skate. And then I might do something else after that, whether it's like something for recovery or another workout. Um, but like I said, I'm usually back around like one or 2 PM and then I can hang out with my kid and Amanda the rest of the day. So, um, but that's pretty much, pretty much every day right now leading up to the season. So, um, I do that, I would say six days a week and then Sunday I'll take off and just kind of like chill and watch football that, that day. But, um, um, it's kind of like groundhog day over and over, you know, you're just waking up, working out, skating, you know, do something else and then come back home. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of, you know, the world we're living in right now where there's trying to stay safe, stay safe for me, stay, stay safe for, for my son. And, uh, um, you know, obviously the world too, but, um, uh, it's good. It's not, it's not too bad. And, um, just try, like you said, trying to get ready for the season. Yeah. So kind of kind of going off that, one of the things that our listeners, um, you know, really uh, kind of clinch to um, is kind of like understanding like the habits that you may have developed over the years. So I know you said during quarantine, you probably had to re-ingrain them more just like, you know, for your own sanity, as all of us did. Um, but is there like anything that... Um, like you would give advice to like a younger kid who is trying to like break it into the league or maybe some other sport, different things that you, that helped you get better at your craft. Um, yeah, I, I put it, I mean, I played a lot of hockey when I was younger. I loved playing basketball. That was one of my favorite sports. Um, you know, obviously nowadays in the off season, it's fun to play some golf, um, really gotten, into that the last, you know, I would say three or four years. And, uh, that's been fun for me. Um, but as far as advice, I mean, I think the biggest thing is like, for me, I enjoyed it. So it it was fun for me to, to practice, to play and try and get better. So I think if you have that passion, if you have that love, then the next step would be, you know, you know yourself better than anyone. So like, how hard are you really pushing yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my dad, when I was younger, would always say to me, what did you do to get better today? And that's something that's kind of stuck with me over the years. Like, what did I, what did I do to get better? Did I skate? Okay. Yeah, I did that. But what's the next step? Can I do more? Can I 
do more for my body, my recovery? Can I eat well? Can I, um, making sure I'm putting, you know, the right amount of sleep in to, to, um, you know, maximize my output for my body. So I think that's, that's where it's coming nowadays for me, you know, especially turned 32 this past year. So you're trying to like really watch what you're doing for your body and take care of yourself and work out, work out the right way. Um, uh, but always trying to push yourself. I think that's, that's, um, that's fun for me. Um, train a lot with Alex to He's a, he's a kid that, uh, so competitive, like, um, he's competitive in the gym. He's competitive on the ice. We have scoring competitions. So it makes it fun to, to do that with him because he is so competitive helps, helps keep me going too and, and better myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, so kind of going off of that, um, is there anything that, uh, like, so I know you kind of referenced, like when, when you were younger, you had, um, all those guys that were influences on you and now you bring up to Brinkett, um, who's obviously kind of like in similar shoes compared to where you were, um, when, because he's only like 20 or 21 or. Yeah. I think he's maybe 22 now. 22. Yeah. Yeah. So is there like, is there any kind of like, you know, like reflection moment that you've had in your head and you're like, I, I might be in the different shoes now, or I'm in like on the other side of the, the, the table type thing. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, but I still view them as like my friends and like obviously my teammates. So I think the, the, the thing is, um, like let's say with the brink for example, he's super competitive. He works extremely hard. Um, how can I help him, uh, you know, develop his game to the next level? Obviously he works hard enough. He loves the game enough. So he already has that, but you know, what can I do on the ice? Can I help him, you know, see plays a little faster, become a little bit better of a passer. He's got a great shot. He's got a great knack for scoring. So yeah, you try to share those things a little bit. I think with a lot of these kids, you help them in certain situations, but you also, want them to be their self, right? Like you don't want to take away what they do, um, the best of their abilities, but you can help like find certain areas on the ice, uh, find way, different ways to get open. Um, so it's always a process, but I really, I really enjoy being around the young guys. I, I feel like, um, I don't know if it keeps me young or what, but I like, uh, I like being around the brink guy. I like being around Strom. I like being around, you know, Bolquist. I like being around, you know, Kirby Doc. Um, guys like that just to kind of talk to and kind of pick their brain and see how they came up and what made them successful to, to get to the NHL, you know, as well, because, you know, the game's always changing. And, uh, you know, I think now more than ever, these young guys are taking over the league and, and they're the best players in the league. Um, so it's, uh, it's fun to kind of pick their brain too. Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways you can learn something about yourself along the process of teaching these young guys, uh, um, you know, the ways of being successful in the league. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that completely. I think, um, especially for our team, you know, like when I was younger, we had some great veteran, you know, leaders and, and some great guys that were big presence in the locker room. And um, I think at the time I was so young, I was just worried about myself and playing and, playing to the best of my ability and now that you know you get older teams struggle a little bit it's like what can you do a little bit more to help these guys out help yourself out um to make the next step you know for our franchise for our organization for our team to become quicker and then you know we can become a, a you know a team that can compete every year and i can be a part of that before my career is over so you're trying to help these guys out as fast as you can right like you said you learn more about yourself as as time goes on too yeah absolutely um so kind of taking a, a step back so obviously we're kind of like a personal finance uh oriented um right. podcast series so uh on our last, on one of our podcasts, we were talking to Campbell, um, you know, about how he kind of, uh, you know, dealt with like the, the first paycheck because you, you always see those articles come out about like how an NFL player like blows their entire like salary in like a week <laughs> or something absurd. Um, but it, it just kind of, uh, 
I, I think it would kind of be interesting to, you know, learn how, you know, like who kind of rubbed off on you. I know Campbell was telling us that, you know, he would hear guys like talking about stocks and, you know, hear them debating about it in the locker room. And you, some guy would be like, oh, yeah, I'm buying this stuff. And that guy, another guy goes, I don't want to piss my money away there or some, some, something like that. <laughs> and he said at that point, he started, you know, looking into the newspapers a little bit more and then started learning a little bit more about saving and, and stuff like that. So if there's anything that you maybe want to talk to on that point. Yeah. So um, I think for me, I was very conservative when I was younger. Yeah. I would uh, put a lot of my money into the bank. Mm -hmm. And, you know, back then, I think interest rates were around like 2%, maybe 3%. Yeah. Nowadays, they're nothing, right? Like you're basically paying to have your money in the bank. So, yeah. as time goes on, you learn a little bit more. Obviously, I think a lot of guys in the NHL, including myself, you, you tend to find a financial guy you're comfortable with. And then, you know, you get updates on what's going on and kind of get reviews on what's going on. So um, one of the things I like to do is just kind of like like you said, Jack, obviously, you know, you're not checking the newspaper anymore, but you're checking you know your phone to see how the stocks are doing and what's going on in the market these days. And yeah, very conservative approach. Um, I think these days it's more about kind of setting myself up to be comf- comfortable the, the rest of my life and, and trust in, uh, trusting in your financial advisor and the, the records he's showing you. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of guys do that. Um, and it's just kind of about finding who, who you're comfortable with and, um, who you trust to handle your money. Cause it's a big decision. Right. And, um, you know, you always want to be comfortable with that. So that's something I've learned as far as like splurging on my first paycheck. I don't think it's something I really ever did. Um, you know, for me, I think the biggest things I've, I've bought in my life, I bought a Hummer when I was after my first year, um, I was kind of like a rookie, rookie of the year president. So I I bought that. It was a 2008, still driving it today. Yeah. It's a beauty. Yeah. That's awesome. So they're coming out with a new Hummer in 2021. So I'm going to try and get that and finally upgrade. So it's going to be pretty exciting to have a new car after uh, 13, 14 years. Yeah. And uh, besides that, just, you know, I've, I've bought, you know, purchased a couple of real estate uh, properties, um, mm-hmm. you know, had a house in Buffalo, sold that. Yep. Um, you know, I probably lived with my parents coming back till I was like 21 and I, bought, uh, I think I rented a place in Buffalo for a couple of years and then I bought a place in Buffalo, lived there for, you know, four or five, six years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, now I'm just in Chicago all the time. So I have a couple properties down here. And besides that, I, you know, um, I mean, everyone likes nice things, right? Like you like nice clothes or, or a nice watch or, um, you know, things like that. But I've been, uh, I've been pretty, I don't want to say conservative, but I don't feel like I, I have to spend it to enjoy life. Right. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. absolutely. And that's, that's like, you know, so important for people to understand too. And just like the overall like context of, you know, personal finance and yeah. how people do treat their money. Yeah. Um, and it seems like you have a great grip on it. I think a takeaway from that, uh, to your point about the financial advisor, you know, if you want to be successful in something for you being a hockey player, you know, you can't stretch yourself too thin. You have to surround yourself with people um, that can help you out and let you focus on what you do best. Yeah, absolutely. And similar to like, similar to like myself when I'm getting ready for the season, right? Like uh, if I'm going to get, you know, my body treated on, I'm not just going to, you know, go down the street to some like, place on the corner, right? I'm going to try and get the best person to come into town. You know, that's kind of a, a, another area I like to uh, spend my money a little bit is just like more on myself, the investment in myself and my body, where I feel like if I do that, if I, you know, put the time and effort and the money into it, that I will get the best result out of it, whether it's, you know, hiring the best chiropractor to come down for Toronto instead of, you know, like I said, going to somewhere down the street, yeah. just putting that little extra effort in to know that you're really, uh, um, taking care of yourself and putting the investment into your body to get the best out of it. So I, I know you re-signed your deal 
back in 2014, maybe, or yeah, yeah 2014. And I, I know that you also kind of did it in joint with um, Jonathan Taze. So maybe kind of going off that point, do you maybe want to, you know, dive into what you guys were thinking and in terms sure. of, I got to imagine it's for, you, you, you did it for longevity purposes, I'm assuming. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we came into the league as rookies at the same time. Yeah. He was picked third over third overall the year before me. Um, we obviously had our three-year entry-level contract, and then that was up, and we signed a five-year deal. Yeah. Same same deal, same amount of money. We have the same agent as well, mm-hmm. so um, it worked out to you know kind of be able to go go through it at the same time together with the same agent. And so we did that. Um, we signed five years. Um, I think at that time, Dunk signed 13 years. Yeah. Dunk signed 13 years for, um, uh, I, I want to say that was in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so we signed our five-year deal. And then after that, we signed the eight-year deal, which was, um, you know, it was before that you could sign like max, like however long you wanted yeah. or however long the organization wanted you. And then, you know, the new CBA came into effect. And 2013 and the max you could sign a player was eight years. So we signed the eight year deal, um, same amount of money again. And we have three years left on our deal. And looking at that contract back in 2010 for Donks, he signed 13 years and his deal has three years left as well. Um, so we'll all be up at the same time mm-hmm. in, uh, in three years. So, um, we'll see what happens then. You know, I mean, it was, uh, you know, obviously I think myself and Johnny have really pushed each other over the years to try and become the best player we beca- we can become. Yeah. And I think that helped, you know, lead us to three Stanley cups and be a part of three Stanley cups. And now it's like, you know, um, we have three years left. Hopefully we can keep playing well. Hopefully we can get another contract with the Blackhawks if that's what it is and um, keep the, uh, t- the tradition going here. But um, I guess, you know, three years is a long time. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And uh, you know, for now, I think we've been very fortunate to be with the Blackhawks. It's a great organization. Um, they care about their players. They care about their fans. They want to be good. And, um, we're hopefully turning the corner here where we got some young players coming up that we can, uh, um, be a contender again, um, yeah. within the next year or two. So see how that goes. And, uh, um, I think for now we've been very happy with everything that's gone on here. That's awesome. Yeah. I imagine that that must really help your mindset or your peace of mind on the ice when you know that you're going to be around in Chicago for that long. Yeah, I think that's one thing as a player, you know, you don't really want to worry about, right? Yeah, um, exactly. And you feel bad, like, you know, like if you're in the locker room and someone's on a one-year deal and they're not playing well or they're out of the lineup, you feel bad because, you know, they're thinking about it, right? Or if their mm-hmm. contract's coming up and, um, you know, guys are asking them, have you started, you know, talking about negotiation? It's always it's always a um, subject of conversation, contracts, and, and what's going to happen, so – um, kind of nice to have that, uh, that stability and know that it's not something you really have to worry about quite yet. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of, um, so, so it, it, in a sense, it's kind of like a team decision when you guys go through contracts, um, it, it, from what it sounds like, um, in terms of like trying to preserve, like, you know, like the core group of guys you got and, mm you know, do the best for the organization, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, you know, hockey players have always been really good at that where they would maybe leave some money on the table because they want to keep the team together. Yeah. Um, You know, it sounds funny when your, your cap hits at 10 and a half million dollars, but when we signed that, we thought the cap was going way up. Mm -hmm. Um, We thought that was leaving money on the table and that, you know, the guys coming up, I think the next year we're like, uh, Kopitar and Stamkos and they were going to be signing for like 13 or 14 because we thought the cap was going up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that didn't happen. And then, you know, um, you know, nowadays with everything going on, it seems like contracts are, are getting lower and lower because of 
everything that's going on. So, um, you know, that's just kind of the situation we're in, but yeah. Um, like I said, when we signed that deal, it was like, we, we thought we were being team friendly and that it wasn't going to be an issue. Now, you know, the caps kind of stayed flat. Yeah. Um, and we haven't been able to keep some of the players around that maybe we thought we would have been able to. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, uh, I guess that's the way it goes, right? You can predict numbers, but you're not really sure what it's going to be. Uh, the time comes around. So, um, but yeah, I mean, during the, during the contract negotiations, I think me and Johnny would always check in with each other and see where it's going and what we wanted to do. And I think, uh, in 2014, we signed in the summer. So we were always talking to each other, like, you know, what's going to happen with the deal. This is the offer. This is what, you know, there's always type of negotiations you're going back and forth. So it yeah. was the, you know, I, I, I kind of link it to the start of my career. It was nice to have someone to go through the start of my career with where we were like always doing stuff together and yeah. always kind of feeding off each other. And it was probably the same situation with the, with the contract negotiations too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pat, remind me uh, what you did to keep busy during the last lockout. Yeah. So, and, um, so it was 2013, yeah. uh, 2012, 2013. And I actually, um, <clears throat> went over to Switzerland and played okay. during the lockout. So it was a blast. Um, yeah. I had a lot of fun. I think it was, uh, it was fun to, you know, play hockey, um, uh, keep playing. I actually played with Tyler Sagan. He was on my team as well. We were in the same, uh, same apartment, same, um, same team in Switzerland. So it was fun nice. to get to know him and play with him. He's a great player and mm-hmm. yeah. a great guy. It was fun to play with him. Um, so I actually played in uh, there's a tournament over there called the Spangler cup. They take like, it's kind of like a champions league type of thing where they take um, the best team from each league, whether it's a Swiss league, the Russian league, the Czech league. And then there's another Swiss team that, uh, that hosts, and I played for the host team during it and it was five games in five days, which, you know, that's something you never do in the yeah. NHL, right? Like you'll play back to back. You might play two and three or four and six, but five yeah. games in five days. And, um, I think the fifth game was like an afternoon game after like the night before playing at eight o'clock. So it was yeah. pretty tiring, but it was over Christmas. I remember, uh, you know, obviously everyone's with their family at Christmas. And I remember Amanda came over for Christmas and we were just, we were the only two eating in the lobby of the hotel that day at Christmas. It was just kind of sad, you know, like yeah. it's Christmas day and you're the only yeah. two there, you're not with your family, but, um, that was a fun experience. Um, the tournament was in, in a city called Davos. It's a big, like, yeah. um, big mountains, like great city to ski in. So just like driving in the views were unbelievable and uh pretty fun experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I see that we're coming up on our, um, time mark right here so we'll probably start to uh wrap it up a little bit um so uh, i guess like one of the questions is there any like one of your personal favorite times on the ice a play you made or um like a team uh, event where like you just thought like you know like opening up like presents on christmas is like a kid type thing um did you yeah. have any of like those moments that you like to look back on yeah, I mean, obviously, 2010 Stanley Cup would be one of them. I think that's you know something you dream of as a kid, like you know scoring the game-winning goal to to win the Stanley Cup. That's something everyone envisions doing, and I was able to do that. So that's um, pretty amazing. Uh, I had a hat trick goal against uh, LA in the conference finals to send us to the to the Stanley Cup in 2013, and uh, had a pretty cool celebration with that. It was like a heartbreaker type celebration. So that was always, uh, that's always fun to look back on. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, anytime for me, what's fun is when you get out there and you can make a play or, um, a play that no one really expects, right? Like a play that just kind of happens and no one expects it to be completed or no one expects it to, um, actually follow through and end up going in the net. So that's always fun for me when those type of, you know, situations occur, whether it's like a, you know, Benarama pass or like a, a play where you can deke a guy and fire a shot from the goal line and put it up in the top shelf of the net. So those are always moments that are, 
yeah. fun for me, keep me going a little bit. Yeah. I know you mentioned the 2010 Stanley Cup goal. Um, when you scored the goal, obviously you were very, very sure it went in. Were yeah. any of the other guys when, uh, right after you scored it, were they like, I imagine a lot of people were confused. I think Sharpie might have known it was in. Yeah. Um, or were they like, like, what the are you doing here type thing? Or are they like. <laughs> yeah, it was when I was skating down to Niemi, he was like, are you sure it's in? You know, you got that <laughs> Finnish accent. Um, yeah. Sharpie always gives me crap because he was, he, he said when I shot it, I could have passed it to him in the slot. He was wide open and he <laughs> to, to score the Stanley Cup winner. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, there's funny pictures and, and funny videos where, like, guys are jumping off the bench and they're coming to the pile for the celebration, but they're not looking at the, yeah. the celebration pile. They're looking back at the ref to see, like, what he's saying. They're not sure it's in. I think the coaches on the bench were, you know, wrapped in each other's arms, but not really celebrating because they didn't know what was going on. And they were waiting for uh, for our video coach to come in and tell them that it was for sure a goal. So, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of crazy things going on. Yeah. When you shot it, you, you knew like right away, like you were like, that's in, or did you have, did you have to see it from behind the net? Because I, I know it kind of got yeah. hidden under the, like the little, uh, maybe not bumpers, but kind of like under the side yeah. of the net a little bit. Um, and it took yeah, a while. So when I shot time. it, I was like, I'm basically thinking like, there's no bad shot in overtime, right? Like I can shoot this. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, it's probably going to go off his stick or his pad. Maybe it's going to hop in front and you know, someone's going to be in front and maybe there, there'll be a rebound or something. You're just trying to create something. Yeah. So I think the goalie was surprised. I shot it too and didn't really have his stick. And like, it went through a little like triangle area between his pad and the stick mm-hmm. and it went through and just kind of like hit the back pad and just stayed there. Right. Yeah. Didn't, you know, hit the pad and come out where you could see it or anything. So it was stuck behind the pad and, you know, I shot it, I knew it went in and, you know, I'm getting ready to celebrate because, you know, we just won the Stanley cup. And then, you know, of course, no one, no one else is celebrating with me. I think like you said, Sharpie knew it was in, he saw it hit the back pad as well. Yeah. So of course, that's why I kind of sold the celebration like it did, you know, throwing my stick and my gloves and yeah. Jumping up and down the ice, and uh, I think the review, you know, they have the puck there, they have the overhead look of the net, and you can kind of see it just go over the goal line, hit the pad, yeah, stick in the pad, and then you see like everyone's kind of fiddling around. The ref comes in, and he puts the net, net off the moorings, and he, you know, pulls the puck out, yeah, from under, underneath the uh, the bumper pad there, yeah. We were watching some uh, video. Uh, like videos of that goal from the stands, like the, from the yeah. like flyers point of view. And yeah. it, it was, uh, it was pretty funny. They like, they, you score the goal and then you kind of skate around and they're like, what the going on? Did he score? That didn't go in. And they're like, <laughs> like, just, like, like it, it was like, it, like it, it, it's like kind of funny, but it, it's like, you saw like a mental breakdown happen between like 150 people in that little video shot. Yeah. And they were just like, it's not in. And they go, go to the ref, go to the ref. And they're like screaming. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was pretty cool. And knowing you, I know you like to keep it low key and then let let people figure it out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not really. but <laughs> Yeah. I think um, sometimes those are the best videos, right? The ones coming from the fans and the yeah. crowd. Like I've watched some of those as well, whether it's been like that goal or um goals at home where you score like a big goal and you see how excited the crowd is um one of my favorite moments was in 2015 as well against Tampa um we were up one nothing and Brad Richards was like skating down the middle of the ice he made a great pass to me like on the offside I just one time in the open net yeah I just remember like turning the corner I didn't know like how to celebrate or what to do or anything I remember just pointing at him but Mm-hmm. I remember like the, it was just like hearing the crowd and like looking at, looking around the car, the crowd at the United center, like knowing that, okay, we're going to win the Stanley cup. It's two, nothing. There's three, four minutes left in the game. Um, was, uh, was pretty amazing. I remember having chills during that moment. So, yeah. um, 
but that was just like, you know, you're going to win the cup at home. You're going to be able to celebrate with your fans. It was, it was a special, special moment. Yeah. And then kind of um, like one last comment, it's got to be, I imagine a lot of the same feelings went through a lot of your teammates when you guys won the cup in 13, um, essentially like flip the game in the the outcome of the series in 17 seconds or 17. Yeah. Yeah. So 2013 we scored, um, I'm not sure with how much time left, but yeah, you know, we scored, we tied it up and make it two, two. So, um, you know, obviously, I'm on the bench thinking, okay, we're game six in overtime on the road. I'm going to go out and win this thing in overtime again and do it, <laughs> you know, do it two years. Yeah. And Dave Bowen had different ideas scoring 17 seconds later. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, you're on the bench. It's two, one, you kind of have that thought in the back of your head. Okay. We're going back home for, you know, we might be going back home for game seven. Yeah. And, um, game seven, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And yeah. then all of a sudden we tied up, we scored three, two. And I just remember like, I did like a knees to my chest jump as, as high as I could when we scored that third goal and it was just so happy on the bench. But um, yeah. yeah, it was, it, it was kind of a weird feeling because it was, it happened, it all happened so quick. You didn't really have enough time to like prepare yourself for the celebration. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're on the ice and you win the Stanley cup and it's just like, obviously it's amazing, but it was just like, it all happened so fast. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's awesome. Uh, well, Pat, uh, it's been an incredible honor speaking yeah. with you here today. And we thank you uh, very much uh, for giving us your time here as well. We know uh, that you have a kid and that you want to spend as much time around him as possible. But thank you very much. And although as a Bruins fan, uh, you've broken my heart a few more times than I've wanted you to. I'm a, I remain a huge fan and I continue to love watching you play. Thank you so much, Pat. Yeah. Thank you. You guys have had enough victories in Boston anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are good. Don't worry about that one. Yeah. Um, no, thanks for having me on. It was, this was fun. It was, uh, you know, you guys obviously got a great thing going, so yeah. keep it going and uh, look forward to, uh, to see what you guys do in the future. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank awesome. You. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Pat. We have appreciate a nice it. One. Have a good one, boys. All right. See ya. Everyone leave. I'm not.